Welcome to The Supernatural Show, where we explore herbalism, the holistic, personalized, and nature-based practices with the power to change the world. I'm your host, Michelle Robinette, registered clinical herbalist and the founder of Pharmacon Supernatural, a company dedicated to the art of functional nature. Hi, I'm Rochelle Robinette, registered herbalist and the founder of Pharmacon Supernatural. Uh, my work is in helping people to be healthier naturally. And today's episode is about social pressure related to food and drink that we don't want to partake of because it feels off of our plan, off of our intention or out of alignment for us. And this episode came from a social media post that I put up a couple of years ago that included a series of excuses that I use, that my clients use, and that I've found to be really helpful in navigating those social pressures to eat or drink things that we don't want to. That post became very popular It started a larger conversation, it grew into an article, and this episode is about all of that kind of surrounding context and also those excuses. So let's dive in. Have you ever felt pressured by a friend to have another glass of wine or a slice of pizza or a serving of something that you didn't really want? Have you ever been pressured by family to forego a wellness goal or felt awkward, guilty, or uptight about refusing something that you didn't plan on eating or drinking? Most of us have been on both sides of this situation, both pressured and pressuring many, many times. There's a playfulness around eating together that makes these scenarios common. Culture has come a long way in improving how it responds to unhealthful eating. But for those who are focused on a wellness goal or who have allergies or sensitivities, The shame around healthful eating and drinking can be intense. Personally, I've dealt with criticism about my food and drink choices for nearly my whole life. Uh, Rice cakes and snack bags of raw vegetables got me a lot of jokes in junior high school. And even as an adult, I've had bosses colleagues and total strangers refer to my food as looking like dirt. Uh, That one was a smoothie or uh, completely unappealing. That one was broccoli. Uh, And my abstinence from alcohol was considered unacceptable unless I was pregnant, which I was not, uh, or it was received as some sort of judgment on others behavior, which is common and which it was not. So personally, my work is in creating accessible plant-based solutions for those seeking connection between modern life and functional nature. 
Uh, I'm committed to empowerment, the uh, education uh, about natural health. So from herbalism to habit remodeling, and as you'll see here, taking to task traditional or tired approaches to health in order to repave paths and lives in order to thrive. In my role as a functional herbalist, educator, and advocate for informed natural health, uh, people ask me for help navigating social pressure around eating foods that don't make them feel good all of the time. Resisting these social pressures to eat in a sort of confirmationally way uh, seems to be rising exponentially in my community and in my client base. So let's address how not to do that. Do you ever feel pressure to eat or drink things that don't make you feel good? because of family pressure, friend pressure, brunch culture, happy hour, anti-diet culture, intuitive eating, or really good marketing? I asked my community this recently, and I was not surprised to find a huge yearning for support on this topic. When you're in those high pressure situations, I've found that people benefit from the following approaches. Remember that just like with meal preparation, for example, or choosing how many drinks you want to have before you go out, uh, how much time you want to spend at the gym before you're there, uh, thinking about how you want to navigate social meals or social settings before getting there ensures better alignment with your values and with your boundaries. Thinking ahead also takes the pressure off of having to make up your mind in the moment. It's a huge help, a small step. In addition to planning ahead, giving yourself a little bit of a roadmap before you get there, having some lines, some phrases, some excuses, if you will, whatever your rationale is for staying your course, having those in mind in hand ahead of time is also enormously helpful. So here are some of the lines that I use personally and that my clients have used over the years to stick to their plan. That food, it just doesn't make me feel great, so I'm going to pass. I need to be mindful of my blood sugar. I'm gluten-free. I'm allergic or I'm sensitive to that. I'm sober right now. I can't have that right now, but thank you. I need to avoid that right now. Thanks anyway. You know, instead of that, I'll have some more of that instead. I'm living without that right now. Thank you. My doctor or healthcare practitioner or herbalist, they prefer that I avoid that right now, so I'm gonna pass, thanks. I'm full. No thank you. So one thing you'll notice about those excuses, if you wanna call them that, are that there are no apologies, right? I'm not saying I'm sorry at any point. And the blame or the credit for your decision to eat or drink in a certain way is sort of optional. You can take that credit on as your own decision. You can pass the blame on to a healthcare practitioner or a vague sort of third party 
And all of that is for you to pick and choose from based on your comfort with these lines. Ideally, we want to get to a place where you feel like you are being honest, you're being sincere, you're in alignment with your decision, you feel good, nobody is feeling judged. That's that sweet spot that I promise you it is possible to find. This also is just the beginning of a conversation that we will continue that bleeds into topics like boundaries and identity and how to navigate you know, these decisions that we're making about the way that we wanna live our lives and how to do that when it is incongruent with the society that we're in, with the social setting that we're in, with any sort of you know, container that we're living among. Consider planning some of these phrases, practicing them out ahead of time, what feels honest and true to you, and, and remember them before going into these you know, social settings that can be a little bit challenging. Uh, what is comfortable for you, right? And do you want to start a conversation about your preferences or would you rather avoid one, right? So sometimes we want to invite a dialogue about the decisions that we've made in our lives and sometimes we really don't want to talk about it. We just want to pass, right? So think about that before going into these social settings. It'll make them much easier. Um, peer pressure can result in a slow erosion of our ideal, right? Our goal, our intention. Um, and this can happen over time. It can be by well-intentioned family or friends. And usually they don't realize the implication of this kind of chipping away that can happen uh, when we give in and we give in and we give in. I started following this topic and digging into this thread about social pressures being responsible for undermining our health goals because so many clients were coming to me with this reason as the why in why they couldn't achieve their goals or stick to their plan. And I realized that the social pressure from family at home or friends out in the world or coworkers, you know, this is a big factor in our ability to get where we want to be going. So recently, yet another client expressed this same struggle to me. She felt fantastic when she was eating a certain way that we'd been working on for years together. She had a lifestyle set up for herself and for her family. And yet she was constantly under pressure to deviate in ways that felt really difficult for her to resist. A neighbor brought over baked goods every week. Her mom mailed cookies at every special occasion and in between the special occasions. And she felt like a downer if she declined having dessert with her friends when they were out at a restaurant. She had no trouble at all turning down alcohol, for example, but foregoing dessert felt to her like being offensive, suspicious, and even it felt unhealthy, she said. In what is now a template for me, uh, we worked through her experiences and planned for those future conversations. 
Um, that included practicing lines, some from that list that I shared with you. Things that she could say to respect herself, to feel confident, to ensure that she wasn't offending anyone, and also to remain honest. That was very important for her. We discussed how saying I can't freed her from appearing to reject others' offers by removing a degree of preference in the matter, right? So instead of her saying, I'm choosing not to do a thing by saying, I can't, it kind of softened that decision or, you know, uh, diluted the credit a little bit. And she felt more comfortable with that than saying, I don't want to, right? Um, this can lighten the burden of responsibility a little bit which a lot of people prefer, especially in the beginning of living this way or navigating these social settings. Um, often we're still making excuses rather than saying outright that we don't want a thing. And again, in the beginning, I think that's fine, but ultimately I think we want to arrive at a place where we feel like we're being very honest, right? And we can be kind and gentle and honest at the same time. So my aim is to find phrases that we feel very comfortable saying, um, that are truthful, uh, but that are not you know, offending anybody or feeling like any kind of judgment. Food is part of traditional medicine, which 80% of the world's population relies on as a primary form of healthcare. Our lives depend on a spectrum of factors that affect our relationship to food, from access to acceptance and so much more. The effects of food on our health are clearer and more widely communicated all the time. I'm optimistic that the current state of affairs resembles where we were with alcohol not so long ago. So while it's still nascent and niche, the enthusiasm for low ABV is normalizing a kind of sobriety that resembles flexitarianism. So when I quit drinking in 2015, it felt akin to saying, I don't breathe, thanks. People thought I was just lost. Everyone assumed I was either pregnant, joking, or seriously confused. Just a few years later, non-alcoholic spirits are everywhere. It's a huge industry. There are bars that are alcohol-free, and there's a whole bunch of social support and enthusiasm for the sober curious and non-alcoholic space that really, really didn't exist before. I believe that that is where we are headed with food. Now, just like we wouldn't pressure someone in recovery to drink alcohol, I think we can and we should extend the same courtesy to friends or family who are making other consumption related choices. So much of my work has been about education and empowerment uh, for us to know which foods work for us, right? For our minds, for our bodies, for our lives, and how to make our relationship with that food vibrant and thriving. We want it to be a healthy relationship and we want what we consume to be healthy for us. There are enough challenges in this work without the drag of unhelpful peer pressure. Vegan as you please, as dry as you like, and to come, let's normalize countercultural consumption. Thanks so much for tuning in. I really hope you found this helpful. Let me know what resonates 
and know that this is just the beginning of a long conversation about all of these different topics that intersect in fruitful and important ways. We're going to talk more about our relationship to food and drink and consumption overall and how to navigate that in general. So let me know what questions you have. Let me know what aspects of this conversation you'd love to dig into more and take care till next time.